Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Good morning. You may be seated. Happy Father's Day, Dads. So good to have you here. And uh, if you're visiting uh, because your children are here and you've joined them, well, I want to welcome you. And uh, if you're visiting uh, because... Uh, and uh, you know you've that uh, you've brought your parent here. Uh, then I want to welcome you as well. And so so good to see you all. And uh, you know to all the dads out there, uh, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. Uh, and so I want to wish you a great day and hope you have a blessed time. And uh, I won't preach very long because uh, I know some of you, well, a lot of you have lunch engagements and that sort of thing. Uh, I also want to say a big thank you. Uh, I know for some people, Father's Day is actually a really challenging day. Uh, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because of a disconnect uh, with father or ch- with their father or with their children, or or some reason like that, and uh, some because it's uh, uh, they're no longer with us. But I just want to honour you today and thank you so much for coming along. Uh, and also too, I also know that uh, in our midst there would be a number of single mums who would say, "Well, I've got to do the job of father and mother," uh, and I want to honour you as well today uh, as well for coming here. So thank you so much. And so let's give a big round of applause uh, to all our dads and uh, so good to see you. Uh, I just want to share a thought with you today um, from Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Thank you so much, Tack. Who thinks Tack is awesome? Uh, let's give me a big round of applause. Thank you, mate. Ephesians chapter 6, going to read verses 1 to 4. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition uh, of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just ask and pray that you would help us to be uh, the best fathers we could possibly be. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Probably the thing I learnt becoming a father uh, is that it didn't really come with a manual. Uh, you know, I would have loved that. You know, uh, you know, you go to the hospital, uh, you have a child. Once that child is born, the hospital will give you a manual on how to operate that child. Uh, it'd be actually awesome, actually, if you got one for your spouse as well. Uh, and so, and so, who knows that parenting doesn't really come. Uh, with a manual. And one of the things I found is this, that having three children, having three sons, uh, this manual doesn't work for that, op- uh, for that uh, model. Uh, and this manual doesn't work for that model as well. And so I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that as a father, I feel like I've been flying blind. Uh, that as a father, I feel like I'm not sure what I'm doing. In this passage of scripture in Ephesians, he's actually giving some indication on what we should do as fathers. It's a part of the book of Ephesians, which is called the Household Code. And so basically, he talks about the operation of a household. Some of you may remember three years ago, I did a series on Ephesians. And basically, in Ephesians, we talked about uh, it's a territory-taking psalm, and it's basically preparing God's people to be advancing and take territory for the kingdom of God. Uh, And so what that means is how we operate our households is actually an important part of that. I think that's actually why the enemy's always trying to attack families. I think that's why the enemy's always trying to attack households, because he knows if you can fragment the household, then you can actually affect uh, affect the effectiveness of the kingdom of God. 
And so here, Paul writes down a household code about how we're to operate. And one of the people he addresses here, he actually addresses fathers. And so title of my message today is, What's a Dad to Do? And so from this passage of Scripture, I want to talk to you about four of the principles indicated in this passage of Scripture, how we are to operate as fathers in order to be able to help our families and our children be the very best that they can be. One of the interesting things I found too about uh, being a father, uh, and I know many of you would understand this, is that it's not necessarily always a formula that you do the right things over a period of time, and for a long period of time, it may look like nothing is happening. However, the scripture indicates to us that if we just keep doing the right thing, eventually, good things are going to come to pass in the next generation. So this is not necessarily something that's a quick fix. This is not necessarily something that it's like Matthew do, one plus one will equal two straight away. Sometimes it takes times and seasons of sowing into our children till we eventually see the things that God wants to come to pass in their life. And so I want to talk to you today about four things uh, a dad's to do, four things that we can do from this passage of Scripture. Now, I'm actually going to jump a little bit before Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to look at Ephesians 5 verse 33 as well. And which is only a couple of verses before. Ephesians 5.33 says this, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So he talks about marriage before he actually talks to the parents about the children. And so basically he's kind of indicating that how we treat each other in marriage is important for us to model to the children. So the first thing we can do as a father is actually model. We can actually model how a healthy family should actually look like. You know, they say that the best thing you can do for your children as a father is actually love their mother. How we treat out their mother is really, really important. And so often we can see that sometimes that uh, there's great relationships between the parents and the kids, but not, not necessarily between the parents. Can I tell you one of the greatest things you can do for the health of your child is actually to have the healthiest marriage you can possibly have. I realise too there are people in situations where you've actually no longer with your spouse, or you've been divorced for various reasons, but even the way we talk about their, their, um, their mother, even the way we treat them will be very important in the life of our child. Insecurity is bred because of a poor foundation in the home. And in the same way, as parents, one of the greatest things we can do is model how healthy relationships should look like. You might even see, I don't know if you've seen those TV commercials, and it's the one about where uh, the man's sitting there and he says to his son, son, get me a beer. And then he goes, get me a beer. And he's modeling to his son. What he doesn't realize is he's modeling to his son the behavior that the son is going to replicate. So we see it later on and passed on in different generations that that son then becomes that same thing. Why? Because he's modelling to him how he should be. That's why in many ways one of the greatest things we can do is work on our marriages. One of the greatest things that we can actually do is work on ourselves to be the best example that we could be for our parents. One of the things I've learned is that the older that I've got, the more I actually appreciate uh, my dad. One thing I didn't expect actually when you become a parent is how uncool you are in the eyes of your kids. Uh, I was a youth pastor. I was a guy who was cool. You know, parents used to say to me as youth pastor, I wish my kids would listen to me like they listen to you. So I just assumed that I had this inherent coolness that my kids are automatically just going to want and follow. But then I get teenagers and I realize that's not actually how it is. 
that they're comparing me to other people. As I got older and a little bit fatter, they'd pat my belly and my longest son would say, Mr. Fat Man and all that sort of thing. And that they would tease me and mock me. And I was no longer cool. They had other heroes out there. And I was exactly like that with my dad. I used to think, man, I wish my dad was like this guy. I wish my dad was like that person or that person. That's how I thought as a teenager. But now as someone who's turning 50 next year, I can look back at my dad and realize, you know what? He is my hero. I want to be like him. The way that he was, that's the way I want to be. It takes a little bit time before it sets. But make no mistake, how he modeled life was really, really important to me. That really came home to me, actually, at my sister's, uh, at my sister's wedding. My sister got married nine years ago, and she got married into a family that was very, very, uh, very, very gifted and talented and that sort of thing. But there were a few fractures in there and that sort of thing. And, and I found out that my dad was, you know, hosting the proceedings, and my dad's a very unassuming man and that sort of thing. But one of the family members of uh, my in-law's family uh, said to her husband, she said, see that? That man, that's real man. That's how you're supposed to be. And I remember feeling so proud because now I realize now that is what a man is supposed to be like. I didn't appreciate it when I was younger. I'm sure there was plenty of times that maybe he didn't want to be like that, but he modeled to me how a man should be. In the same way as fathers, the number one thing we should be for our children is a role model. It might not take now. They may not understand it. They may not get it. But I promise eventually they will actually understand what that means. The second thing is this. The second role of a, parent, a father is to correct. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this, is the right, for this is right. Children, obey your parents. They can't obey us if we don't tell them the right way to go. They can't obey us if we don't tell them the wrong way to go. And so as parents, one of our job, and as a father, one of our jobs is to correct our children. That's how they actually get their values. If we don't communicate to them, they're not going to get their values straight. They get their values from us being able to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And we do that long enough, hopefully that will be actually embedded in their psyche. One of the roles as a father I've learned is that there's been times where it feels like you're the bad person. I don't know, have you ever had this happen to you? Your children, you've said no to your children about something and they've said, well, everyone else does it. All my friends, you're the strictest parents in the world. All my friends are able to do this and that sort of thing. And uh, then you talk to the parents of the other kids and you realise that's not actually the case. Uh, but one of the things I've learnt is that there are times that it might have to come across as the bad guy. Then we've got to say, no, no, that's not right. That's wrong. You know, there is right and wrong. And, you know, they get all their values and all their culture from all over the place and from the media and that sort of thing. The number one place they should get that is actually from the family home. I uh, told you the story a few years ago how there was a study done in Africa and basically in Africa there was these rogue elephants, young elephants that were going around uh, in herds destroying everything they came across. And then there was one time they actually came across a baby rhino and they stomped it to death. And so the mother rhino actually saw it and charged uh, one of the elephants and gored it and, and killed it there on the spot. Scientists were really bemused because they didn't see this behaviour before. They hadn't seen elephants going around rogue destroying things like that. But then they realised after they studied that a lot of these elephants, their parents, their fathers had been killed. They'd been killed because of the, the ivory in their tusks. 
And because of that, they were raised without a father who was able to establish boundaries. And because of that, they went around roaming without any boundaries because they were raised up without a father who was there to let them know what is right and wrong. Make no mistake, as parents, one of our jobs is actually to correct our children. The third thing, the third role that we have to have as a father is this. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke your children to wrath. The third thing we're to do as fathers is to empathise, is to empathise. Notice this, he says, don't provoke them to wrath. What that means is it's our job to make sure that we don't push them too far. You know, as children, they're not always able to have self-control of their emotions, whereas us as mature adults, we actually should be able to. And so because of that, we need to be careful that we're not just telling them what to do, but we're actually there for them as well that we empathise with them. This was a really powerful passage of scripture because at the time when this was written to the Ephesians, very often the job of a father, the, the father would actually let others raise up their children. They would, uh, they would hire nurses and nannies and that sort of thing to take care of their children as they were growing up. But here he's actually telling fathers, he says, no, 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 that's not for somebody else. You've actually got to engage with them. And one of the things that we're supposed to do is actually empathise with them. That is why sometimes being too harsh with our children, it causes, causes them to be provoked and they actually rebel more than what is actually necessary. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was actually on a TV show called World's Strictest Parents. And I don't know if you remember that TV show, World's Strictest Parents. And he was actually one of the, you know, one of the strict parents. And his name is, his name is actually Pastor Mark Ironside, Mark and Grace Ironside. Grace Ironside. Uh, they're actually pastors at a church in Bow Desert. Uh, and he was on World's Strictest Parents. And you can look it up on YouTube. It's had millions and millions of views and that sort of thing. And so I'd seen other episodes of World's Strictest Parents and the parents they would take the kids to were just like ruthless. Like the parents would yell and scream at the kid. I remember seeing one time they were grabbing the kid by the neck and that sort of thing, manhandling them. And, you know, by the end, the kid was nice and they handed them back to the parents and that sort of thing. But Mark and Grace, they did that as well. No, just kidding. Uh, Mark and Grace didn't, did, didn't do that. They actually had a different way of doing things. And so, yes, they would confront the child on their behaviour, but they wouldn't be nasty, they wouldn't be ruthless, they wouldn't be harsh and that sort of thing. There was a time then one of the children actually stole one of their utes and went for a drive. And so then they rang up the police to get the police to come and get them. And they, they said to the child, they said, listen, uh, if you do that again, we're going to have to send you home. You can't stay here anymore. And they weren't harsh or mean, but they had strong boundaries. They told me privately that afterwards the producers said to them, no, don't say that. We need them to stay with you. Uh, so they eased up on them and they actually let them stay. And in the end, without being harsh, without being ruthless, they were able to see a turnaround in these children. Mark told me that after that, they were getting hundreds of invitations from parents all around the world. Would you take my child? Get them off my hands. And when they were connecting to people, those other people were saying, we saw the other ones, they were too harsh and ruthless. But we actually liked your style. You corrected them, you adjusted them, but you didn't provoke them to wrath. And that's what he's actually saying here as well, that as a parent, as a father, it's our job not to provoke them to wrath. Yes, it's to teach them to obey, but it's also to be fatherly and not provoking. And the fourth thing uh, it says here is this. It says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but 
bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Uh, the fourth thing we're supposed to do with our children as fathers is actually disciple, is actually disciple. This was quite interesting because he says, you fathers train up your children and raise them up in the training, the admonition of the Lord. He doesn't say you parents. He actually says you fathers. Is he saying mum's not supposed to get involved? No, he's not saying that. But he's showing how important it is, the influence of a father on a child's spiritual life. Statistics have shown that if a father is engaged in church, if a father has overt spirituality, there was far greater likelihood of the children to be raised up in the ways of God than not. If only one parent is a churchgoer, if it's a father, their likelihood of going, continuing to be a churchgoer themselves is far higher than if they just have their mother going to church. Why? Because fathers have a profound effect on the development and the training of their children. I can honestly say that probably the only reason I'm here is because of my father. One of the things he used to do was he used to make it an absolute rule. If you live here, you've got to go to church. That's kind of just what we do. And uh, that was just something that was ingrained into me. I remember one time we were actually at a church camp. So the whole church went away on a camp. But on Sunday morning, my dad said, right, we're going to church. I said, hold on. The whole church is at camp. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to go back to the church and we're going to run a service just in case people show up who weren't at the camp. So we left. There was about seven of us there. It was me and my sister, my mum and dad, about two other people. Dad's running a service. And I can't remember a time when he actually ever uh, missed church. Told you before about the time when I used to try and get out of going to church all the time. And, and so I remember one time I went to a party and I uh, you know, was probably doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And, and so I thought I'm going to stay over here so I don't have to go to church. I remember at 8 o'clock in the morning, I hear the knock on the door. And I hear this voice. Is Ben here? It was my dad. And he said to my friends, he said, We've got to go to church. It was so embarrassing. But one of the things I've learned is this. When I was away from God, for whatever reason, I could be out all night at the clubs. I'd always wake up on a Sunday morning and the first thought in my mind, got to go to church. Get out of there. I don't even want that in there. I don't want it. And I, even when I was doing that, I was still going to church. And now, I hardly ever miss church. Why? Because it was something that was ingrained by my father. Dads, can I tell you, if you want your child to be on fire for God, there's a much greater chance of that happening if you are like that. Dads, can I tell you, if you want your children to prioritize the house of God, then one of the greatest things that you can do is actually show that priority. I remember I was talking to a Christian man the other day, and he said to me, I've never, my children have never heard these words from my lips. Should we go to church today? He said, they've never heard it from me. Why? Because this is just what we do. And all his children, they've had ups and downs. Doesn't mean they've had everything go perfect in their life. But one of the staples of their life is that the house of God is a priority to them. Why? Because it was a priority to their father. As dads, we're not always perfect. As dads, we don't raise up perfect children. Many of you here might be having children that are right now in the midst of a full-blown rebellion. But I want to encourage you out of the book of Proverbs. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. He might depart when he's young. 
but when he's old, he won't depart from it. One of our members here, a great friend of mine, John, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, um, but uh, I was so blessed last year because uh, John was moving up from New South Wales and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I was here at a service and, and I noticed down the back this, this couple and realised it was actually John's brother, John's brother Carl. And I remember seeing him, I didn't recognise him, had not seen him in a long time and, and I uh, went up the back and I was talking and realised it was Carl and, and Melissa, John's wife was tell, uh, introducing me and I couldn't believe my eyes because the last time I'd seen Carl was about 15 years ago. His dad was a pastor and a church planter and Carl had been a drug addict and away from God. Yet I saw him here in the house of God and he said he's part of a church right now. And I remember at the time the difficulty his parents were going through, how they were you know, worried about what was happening with their son as, uh, as addiction had got a hold of him. But now as he's older, he's in the house of God, loving God, loving the kingdom, being used mightily by God. I want to encourage you fathers don't look at how things are right now. Don't judge your success by how your children are behaving right now. Don't judge your success by the kind of awards your children are getting in high school right now. Keep doing what the Word of God says. And eventually you might find that when they're old, they won't depart from the ways that you have shown them. Amen? And it's not easy, and I know, for a lot of people. So what I want to do today is I want to pray for you, dads. And I want to pray that God will help you. This is a prayer I pray all the time. We've had ups and downs with my sons and my children and that sort of thing. But I can honestly say that the way of life winds upwards. And as we stay consistent and as we stay true to God's Word, eventually it's going to work out. Amen. And so if you're a father here, I'd love to pray for you right now. The Bible says God can give us wisdom. He give it to us freely and liberally. So dads, could you stand to your feet right now and want to pray for you and... Uh, Anyone, let's uh, give a round of applause for the dads here today. And uh, I want to encourage you too, dads, that I know for some of you, even coming today is not an easy day. Uh, there's a man I know actually from another church in Brisbane and goes to his church every week. The one day of the year he doesn't go is Father's Day. And that's because he'd had a falling out with two of his daughters and Father's Day just provokes so much for him and he can't face that thought. And I know some of you might be feeling a little bit like that, but I want to encourage you today. You've made a good quality decision to be in the house of God today. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven, dads. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for every father in this place. And I ask and pray for wisdom, Lord God. Just like Solomon asked for wisdom to lead your people, I ask and pray for wisdom for every one of our fathers here right now. For some, the challenges that some are going through, I ask and pray that you would help them and guide them and direct them in that. And I ask and pray, Lord, that you would guide us in every step of the way. I pray for every child, Lord, represented here, Lord God, every son and daughter. And I thank you, Lord, for what has been instilled in them, Lord God. And I know your word says if we sow, eventually we're going to reap. And so I pray for every father in this place, give them wisdom, knowledge and understanding that they need to be the awesome dads you've called them to be. I declare your blessing and favour upon them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. He's awesome. And uh... Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.